Is there an old, new running back in the AFC East that you want to target? How do you handle the Seahawks this year with the same quarterback but new coaching staff? And who is the sleeper free agent running back that you need to be overdrafting this month? Plus, the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament 14th place finisher Rick Brinson picks our minds, and we pick his, on Rashad White, Tony, uh, excuse me, uh, Trey Palmer, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. Can't stand the pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome in to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to all the Ferelliacs and Balkamaniacs. I am your host, Eric Balkman, slightly above average, by the way. Uh, here to hang out with you tonight for the next hour. Uh, greetings and salutations to all of you. It's the latest episode of the HSFFO presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, myffpc.com. Uh, Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, will be joining us shortly. Coming up on tonight's show, Farrell and I are going to list the reasons why you need to be zeroing in on Brandon Ayuk, why you need to target Travis Kelsey, and much more. Plus, the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament 14th place finisher Rick Brinson talks a little bit about uh, Nico Collins, Aaron Jones, and much more tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, if you did not see the FFPC mailer today, uh, it there was huge news. For the first time ever, and this is, I don't know, three months, uh, something like that in advance uh, than we have ever done it before, the 2024 Fantasy Pros Championship launches on Tuesday, February 20th. We are just four days away from you beginning your quest for a $1 million grand prize. It is a $6 million prize pool. You can play in that uh, drafts are going on daily in that we have a ton of slow drafts going off. I think several slow drafts have already filled up that are obviously going off on the 20th as well. Uh, you can play in that at myffpc.com. Myffpc.com is where to go for that. Um, million dollar grand prize and you could start playing for it on tuesday that's pretty awesome now if you don't want to do that if you want to play in the never too early tournament which um those registrations will cut off prior to the start of the nfl draft do that now myffpc.com never too early best ball tournament never too early best ball super flex tournament they'll run through uh run up until the start of the nfl draft april 25th is when registration will cut off best ball slim rules no kickers no defenses 20 rounds uh for the draft 14 week regular season playoffs will go from weeks 15 through 17 will crown a champion after week 17. drafts are available daily 30 second 60 second two hour and six hour clock um you can take your shot at a twenty-five thousand dollar grand prize with a 125 dollars entry fee in the standard uh, never too early best ball tournament you can also play for a ten thousand dollar grand prize with just a 35 dollar entry fee in the superflex never too early best ball tournament that is where you want to go myffpc.com myffpc.com and while you're there check out the dynasty orphans that we have for sale some as little as one dollar plenty of teams have had their um uh, uh entry fees for 2024 lowered um to one dollar uh, $50, $100, like you can get gr uh, crazy deals. I found out from Dave the Dizzle Gerzak that we have sold more Dynasty Orphans um, up until this point. Uh, it's the most we've ever sold, well over 3,000, um, the most we've ever sold up until this point in the season. And I, I think the price has something to do with that. So if you want to cash in on these prices, which quite frankly are probably only going to go up from here, um, you can get some great deals on Dynasty Orphans at myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And don't forget to check out the Dynasty Depot, dynastydepot.com, your home for buying, selling, bidding, and dominating FFPC Dynasty Leagues. Uh, Nelson Burbitt, who is going to be a guest on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show coming up uh, next month, 
on the Better Sports Network. Can't wait to talk to him about that. But that is a place you want to go. If you are an FFPC Dynasty owner, you're doing yourself a disservice if you are not a member over there. Uh, DynastyDepot.com, M-Y-F-F-P-C.com is where to go to pick up those Dynasty Orphans. Um, remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified every time we go live here like we are doing tonight. We'll go live again next Thursday. More on that in the show. Let's bring in the co-host with the most. He is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. You follow him on the X at J. Farrell Elliott. Uh, welcome in the king of Caesar Southern Indiana this past weekend. Uh, Jay Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome in, man. How was uh, Caesars for the Super Bowl? You guys must have had a great time. I heard nothing but rave reviews. Oh, that's very cool, Balky. We uh, and say hello to Dominic, the first in the room tonight. Calling yes. Hoffman's back too. I wish you and those guys had been here. We had a blast, and you know the game could not have been any better. And we we had uh, guys that had basically given up on their various selections in the sports book, who, who as the clock went to zero and overtime got added to the board, they experienced new life, a rejuvenation, so to speak. But the drafting aspect of it was very impressive. I got a very good feel for the rookies, some which consistently went off the board. I thought in the first drafting that, that some of the rookies were coming off the board early, but they stayed consistent and early. And it made you could really tell that uh, you could really tell the players came in well prepared for 2024. So, you know, that's where everybody's mindset was, and that's where it continues to be. I I think that um the the and I drafted on Saturday night prior to the Super Bowl in the KFFSC. And one of the things I heard from um, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak and the Real Leroy, who were drafting live at Caesars Southern mm-hmm. Indiana, said, um, you wouldn't believe how high Marvin Harrison is going. Mm. Now, Farrell, Marvin Harrison in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, um, shout out to Fantasy Mojo at Fantasy Mojo on X, FantasyMojo.com. If you're playing in the FFPC, you need to check him out and make sure you get a membership there. It is well worth it. I was looking at him as a mid-third round pick, which struck me as high. But in the KFFSC, where you have to start three receivers, he was going at the end of the second, uh, early third round. And I got to believe our good buddy Scott Connor from uh, Dynasty League Football, from Dynasty, uh, the uh, Debbie Dynasty, Dynasty Fantasy Football Factory, everything he's doing, chasing the helmet. He had to be a big guy, him and Jay Reed, drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. at the end of the second round. They love him. Yes, they did. And also, uh, we have one drafter uh, from the great state of Ohio, um, formerly, and who, who joined us in the draft. And he shouted out Marvin Harrison's uh, selection uh, midway through the first round. So, you know, it, it, he was uh, making a point and uh, he certainly got his guy. But yeah, Marvin Harrison, without knowing our landing spot, Marvin Harrison went in front of a lot of receivers that uh, I might have rather had some of those other guys. But you know what? Um, we love when drafters come here and get their mm-hmm. guys. And Marvin Harrison was definitely a guy targeted by everyone. January and February are all about getting your guys. This is the one time where, you know, because the ADP is very fluid, it's not set. Mm-hmm. What Whoever you want, you can get right now. That's the beauty of drafting mm-hmm. right now. And I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, it's not all about rookies this time of year. There's some free agents. There's some players that are coming off bad years. There are players coming off good years that we need to kind of figure out. And a player that's coming off a bad year, a proven player that is coming off a bad year, resides in New England. He is Mm. Ramondre Stevenson, and he told the Boston Globe earlier this week, Farrell, that he wants to be the featured back for the New England Patriots in 2024. Now, as a reminder, last season, he only played in 12 games. 857 yards from scrimmage, just four touchdowns. He was healthy for the first 13 weeks of the season. And quite frankly, he was the lead back for those 13 weeks. Um, 63% of the team snaps is when he was out on the field, 29% opportunity share. Now he is coming up in the final year of his rookie deal, more than 1400 plus yards in 2022. Let's not forget that he is looking to get up into that neighborhood in 2024. 4.4 4.4 yards per touch last year, a career low 4.0 yards per carry. 
I got to believe that because there's a new coach there in Gerard Mayo, no Bill Belichick, um, it's going to come down to him and the GM to figure out what they're going to be doing at running back here to figure out what Stevenson is going to be doing in 2024. It sounds like, based on the tea leaves there, that Ezekiel Elliott will not be coming back in uh, 2024 for the New England Patriots, which means that it should be wheels up for um, for uh, Ramondre Stevenson. As I look at the uh, the mojo on him, and I'm looking specifically, excuse me, I'm looking specifically at the um, the never too early ADP um, for the FFPC. If you look at where he has been going so far with draft starting, you know, um, with about a month now, we've got about a month worth of data with Ramond with uh, the FFPC never too early. Ramondre Stevenson, running back 18, Farrell, he has fallen until the middle of the sixth round, going behind the likes of Alvin Kamara and Ty J Spears, going just ahead of Aaron Jones and Tony Pollard. Is that a spot that you want to be in business with, Ramondre Stevenson, going forward? Oh, that's a wonderful buy, Balky. And this player is is an example of what happens, and I, I think you could take an X through the entire year for New England. Nothing worked there, and so why would we expect Stevenson to be his usual self? He still put up a good effort and good numbers within the concept of that offense, which struggled all year long, and in many games were out of the game. I don't really see any reason why this terrific running back should be in the sixth round, but, man, that's a good place to get him if you're a Stevenson fan. And I don't recall where he was last year, but I think when we were in Planet Hollywood, he was late in the third round. Mm-hmm. And if he had played a consistent, if he had played the entire season um, there, he probably would have had numbers to marginally justify that draft position. I'm big on Stevenson in the sixth round. I'm big as I've ever been. Do you, so you're, you're not necessarily concerned about New England bringing in a 1B back or quite frankly, maybe a 1A back? Like in this, for you, it sounds like Stevenson is is where you want to go in New England this year, and the fact that you get him in the mid sixth round, it, it's it's all worthwhile for you. He would have to come through free agency or a very very high draft pick, and I don't think that's going to happen. Sure, they'll bring in backs, they'll bring in complimentary players. Maybe they'll even get successful and do some fantastic scouting, and in the seventh round, take this year's version of Isaiah Pacheco. But mm. at the end of the day. Uh, Football players go to camp every year to compete. They compete with themselves first, and they compete with the other players on the roster. This player's earned his opportunity to be the guy in New England, and no matter what the new guys come in and do, they've got a lot to correct. Stevenson's not the place they should start correcting. Yeah, no, and I and I get it. Um, and, and the fact that he is going basically not quite but pretty close to three rounds later than where he was last year, you have a lot more margin for error. And um, I would not necessarily be super concerned. There's other running backs, and we'll get into them uh, later on in the show. There's other running backs that I'm more concerned about those teams bringing in competition to those players. I am not necessarily as concerned with Ramondre Stevenson going forward, especially as as far as 2024 is concerned. Uh, Farrell, let's get into um, uh, Seattle and the Seahawks and the news that came out from Adam Schefter this week. Geno Smith is going to be remaining on Seattle's roster for 2024. His fully guaranteed salary for a starting quarterback in the NFL, $12.7 million. What a bargain, Um, which is insane. Now, Seattle, if they would have cut him, it would have been a dead cap hit of nearly $18 million. Schefter said, and I'm going to quote him here, the Seahawks believe that in today's market with salary soaring for starting quarterbacks, the right decision was to pay the money. Now, ironically, uh, fourth season with the Seahawks in 2023, Smith threw for exactly the same amount of yardage as he did in 2022 when everybody is loving him. The difference in 2022, he threw for two more interceptions, but 10 more touchdowns. Um, he is going to have a new head coach this year and Mike McDonald, new offensive coordinator and Ryan Grubb, who uh, comes from Washington and was known for how much he loved to pass the ball here. Farrell, I'm going to look at the never too early data here right now for uh, Geno Smith. As far as quarterbacks go, he is currently going as the 25th quarterback going off the board. Drake May, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, all going off the board before him. The fact that he is going to come back to Seattle this year in uh, an offense that has a coordinator that loves to throw the ball, 
featuring DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he is severely being underrated by these number two early drafters. How do you see it? He's been as severely underrated his entire career. And if you want to look at his numbers, Bulky, you did the listeners and all the FFPC players a favor by shining the light on 22. And what you got to remember about 23, he was in miserable physical condition, but he answered the bell regularly. He was hurting. He played and without, without complaint, he played. And um, it was, it was magical performance um, by, by the staff there to get him on the field, some of the games. So He's a player that everyone in the league roots for. We've talked about that before. His $12.7 million. I wonder how many years he had to play in the league to equal that uh, before he got to this contract. This is a very cleverly negotiated contract uh, on the agent side. I'll give these guys credit for getting this put together. He's there, and he is a good piece of their offense. And would you say you you gave the guys that are going before him, uh, is Will Levis going after him? He's got to be. I'm going to look it up right now just, just yeah, to confirm, okay. but i got to believe he is. I'm Will curious Levis, who the three or four guys are that are going after him in the never two. Early. Okay, so so right now, Will Levis is – well, he's one of the three guys that are going after Geno Smith. Geno Smith, 1406 right now as quarterback 25. Derek Carr goes a half round later as quarterback 26 at the end of the 14th. Then you have Russell Wilson at the start of the 16th round, and then the third guy going right after Geno Smith this year – is indeed Will Levis, quarterback 28 at the 1606, slightly ahead of last year's number one pick, Bryce Young from Carolina. I think if you take Levis, if you take Geno, uh, based on what might happen with the transfer of the contract, if you take Russell Wilson, you've got three guys there that all could be very, very, very potential uh, mm-hmm. bargains at this draft spot. And, and Will, are we sure? Just this is a sidebar. Are we sure that Wilson is not going to be in Denver this year? Because I'm starting no. to have second thoughts. We're not sure of anything when it comes to Wilson. Okay, but, All right. but we're but we can speculate about everything. Right. No, no. <laughs> sure of nothing, speculating <laughs> about everything. The high stakes fantasy football. Hour. <laughs> we have uh, Rick Brinson uh, warming up on the sideline, ready to come in here uh, before we get to him and the 14th place finisher in the FFPC number two early best ball tournament. I want to talk about Tony Pollard here briefly. Um, uh, Saad Youssef, who uh, covers the Cowboys for the athletics, uh, said that uh, the Cowboys should not rule out resigning Pollard for 2024. He is going to be 27 years old this season, obviously a bad year for Pollard this past year. He broke his leg in in January 2023, and he actually told uh, some reporters that he didn't feel 100% until December this past year from that leg injury. So uh, Yusuf, who um, wrote this for The Athletic, um, the lesson that we learned from this past season is not that Pollard is not a quality NFL back. It's the, it's the fact that he can't be relied on to be the workhorse. Um, the Cowboys could bring Pollard back in a role like he used to have when Ezekiel Elliott was the lead back for Dallas. Um, or he could get uh, he could be the one A, and they could bring in a one B. So the Cowboys, according again, this is according to Saad Yusuf, who covers the Cowboys for the Athletic. He thinks the Cowboys are not going to get into bidding war uh, if somebody else is interested in Pollard. Pollard right now, Farrell. If I look at the never too early um, uh, best ball tournament ADP data, Pollard is running back twenty at the six ten. He is going behind Spears, Stevenson, and Jones. He's uh, excuse me. He's going ahead of David Montgomery, James Conner and Joe Mixon. 6'10", Tony Pollard. I drafted him in the KFFSC um, uh, draft that I was in on Saturday night, roughly in the fifth or sixth round. I feel pretty good about it. Do you feel good about Tony Pollard in the late sixth? Yes, he doesn't have to be the lead back to have numbers, although he will be the number one contributing back. What does that mean? He could have B. John Robinson type play on the field. You know, it's 60 to 70% of the plays, but look, he wasn't healthy either. You've covered that. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, you've already used that name twice here in a podcast. We were just 20 minutes in, and you brought up Ezekiel Elliott twice. Uh, and, you know, uh, Dave Turk now is – he's probably turning down the volume, you know, because he really does love us. He'll, he'll watch the show and not listen to it. But, look, Pollard, Stevenson, in that neighborhood, if you're at the end of the draft and you can – 
You can put them up and stack them side by side at the 12th position. Man, what a wonderful situation you are if you went zero running back. If I told you you got all those receivers and you pick a quality tight end, go ahead and get your quarterback. Stevenson and Pollard will be there waiting for you. You know, that should bring a smile to your face. It should. And I'll tell you what else is going to bring a smile to my face is our guest, which we're going to bring in right now. He had, yes, he placed high in the 2023 Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament in the FFPC. He finished 14th place overall in it. He's here to talk about not only that finish, but what he's doing in his 2024 drafts as well. Please welcome in Rick Brinson. Rick, welcome into the show, man. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. So it's exciting. It's exciting to have you on. Uh, the first question I want to ask you right off the bat, and and this is something that I, I think I should ask of everybody drafting at this time of year. What is it about drafting in January and February that has you so compelled that you like it so much? Well, I think it gives me a jump on my competition. Uh, the rest of the people that are drafting right now should be serious about this. So I'm getting an idea of what they're thinking uh, early. And I'm, I can get some mistakes out of the way early also. Um, Rick, um, when you are not finishing near the top of the leaderboard in these FFPC leagues and, and tournaments, tell the listeners and, and the viewers, quite frankly, what you're doing for a living. Well, I've been working since 1989 with my brother in a restaurant sports bar that we put in together in Austin. Uh, my role now is uh, listed as a consultant. And basically seven days a week, I do light maintenance before anybody else is there. <laughs> and, then, and primarily, I, though, I, I'm a computer salesperson, a, a performance consultant for Box Technologies, and that's B-O-X-X. And you probably haven't heard of us because we build computers for specific applications and specific industries. You know, we have a lot of players, not only in the FFPC, but the KFFSC, uh, in Austin and in the surrounding area in Texas, can can do you want to give a shout out to the sports bar that you helped? Uh, uh, I'd love to. It's the uh, Aussies Volley Beach Grill and Bar. Ooh, uh, that's a lot going on there. Yeah, it's uh, we've got two regulation sand volleyball courts out back that are so perfect that the AVP tour uses them when yeah. they come to Austin for play-in. Uh, for the, the whole day of play-ins if they have play-ins. That's fantastic. I'm looking at it right now. God, the, the photos on this look awesome. Um, but, you know, quite frankly, I'm coming from a uh, northeast Wisconsin where our volleyball courts are covered in snow 11 and a half months out of the year, Rick. So it's a little bit different up here. I'll you know, we're still say playing that. right now. There's a tournament Good for Sunday. You. Yeah, My wife would love it. She loves she loves beach volleyball, sand volleyball. She's a big fan. Uh, we'll have to get down to Austin. Uh, and to then uh, on what we call West 6th Street, it's where some great sports bars are. Little Woodrow's, the Star Bar, the Key Bar, Yard and Parlor. Yeah, we're going to walk uh, past oh, them yeah. on our way to Aussies. We're going to just look yeah. at that it. joint. We're on our it's, way to Aussies. Don't it's, a nice, it's a real nice loop, which I yeah. make on a regular basis, sometimes on a bicycle, sometimes on foot. <laughs> right. Like right. Rick, you got, a lot, you got a lot going on, buddy. I'm telling you. Where, what happens at Aussies during the South by Southwest Music Festival? Um, it depends if we have a, if we become a venue, we, we shut the volleyball down and build a stage in the sand. Mm. We haven't done that in about six years. Uh, so let's we'll maybe have part of Yeah. And then sometimes, that. sometimes we have a band in the par- front parking lot. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much going on in basically we just rack it up from, uh, all the people walking from the hotels and from auditorium shores, which is, you know, just a stone's throw away that uh, basically we just we just prepare for one of the busiest times of the year and enjoy it as a i mean i just enjoy south by southwest as a, a music fan yeah you might just have to take a little time off work and just you know look the other way then <laughs> a lot of time <laughs> off work <laughs> the, the, do you know ray sagarn ray sagarn a great player great fantasy player from Austin. we'll have to get you guys together and i got one more you know balky we've been using the lead-in song for the show uh pressure from the quiet haulers for all these years uh they have a they have another uh, Shadwick wrote another song with a line in it. I got drunk in a bar in Austin. We'll have to see if that was Aussies. You never know. That might have been. <laughs> what was that? Might have been the motivation. Now, Rick, I got to look. 
we're 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 through talking about your good times you have down in Texas. Although we look forward to joining you real soon. I don't know about a certain player to the north of Louisville, Kentucky, playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. It, it's really strange because he's never rostered on any of my teams because when he's drafted, all the players around him intrigue me much, much more. And I, I you drafted T. Higgins, a player who's coming off a year. You know, we talked about some players, Stevenson, Pollard, uh, less than expectations, uh, T. Higgins, 11 games last year, 42 catches. He had spike games. He had three good games. And in those three good games last year, one of them against Baltimore, as I recall, uh, that those three games were about 60% of his, of his statistical performance last year. So what takes you to T. Higgins this year? Um, healthy Burroughs at quarterback. He proved himself. If he stays there, mm-hmm. uh, he I think he has a much, much bigger role in the offense. And if he doesn't go there, he could be the missing link in Kansas City or many other places where he could either be a 1A or the or the 1. I saw a blurb the other day that Kansas City would, would be bringing Tyler Boyd in. And you know that, that was a problem. And you know, Tyler Boyd catches all the passes, which would be refreshing in in Kansas City. The uh, but anyway, that gets us off the point. I guess the one thing I like about T. Higgins is he's twenty five years old. You know, so he's he's been contributing a while. Twenty five years old. I I'm going to have to reconsider this, but I would have to draft a bunch of guys that think like me, where he slides down. I think everybody always drafts him two rounds ahead. You know, and the thing is, is he's wide receiver 26, 4'11", in the never too early best ball tournament. But, like, there is – it. we always reference the ADP. The ADP is so fluid this time of year. And the fact that he – I mean, we think he's going to be back in Cincinnati, but there's a non-zero chance that Cincinnati doesn't franchise him. It's going to cost him over $20 million to do it. So I can see them letting him go. But to your point, Rick, like, whoever signs him, he's going to be the number one guy, and he's going to be heavily targeted – there is still a, still a significant a significant amount of upside with T Higgins, um, and and to pick him earlier, I think we can get on board with that. Um, speaking of picking players earlier, Rashad White, you took him at the six eleven last year, um, uh, about a half round ahead of his ADP, where he was going in the never too early tournament. What did you specifically like about him to get you on board with White with the Buccaneers last year? And then second part of the question. He's going at the 310 this year, about three rounds earlier than he normally goes. Would you be on board with that ADP for Rashad White in 2024? I would, um, and I, I became enamored with him yep. because I play college fantasy football. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives me a real leg up on a lot of people uh, because it's a real competitive league, and it's really brutal with extra bye weeks and, and everything else. And so I, I, I've got him in – two keeper leagues and two dynasty leagues, you know, I mean, I went all out for him as rookie year. I love that. I love that. Did you deep in the heart of Texas bulk? You see, they play, th- they do things differently down there. Playing a everything, little, everything's playing a little college fantasy football while he's building the boxes and making sure the sands in the right place. It's just, just got a lot going on down in Houston. Nico Collins got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, if if there was ever a player that I lined up to get on all my teams last year because I thought that the light switch was going to come on for him, and man, did it ever come on! And when people say, "Well, he wouldn't have done as well if Tank Dell hadn't been hurt," you know, and I want to hit him because I don't think <laughs> double-digit targets in four games, nine targets in two other games, consistently successful. I see it even becoming better. I think everyone else does too. Here at the uh, KFFSC Super Sunday Draft, where we had 96 teams drafting, not best ball. These are managed teams. Uh, Nico Collins regularly in the second round. I think that's just what's happening in the never too earlys. Uh, And and I'm going to say something. I think he's still a bargain there. Mm. What do you think? Oh yeah, I think so. There you go. That's an endorsement. Did you? Was he on one of your college? 
fantasy? No, he uh, kicked my ass. Oh, yeah, no. see, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so, so how, so Rick, how high is too high? Like Nico Collins, 208 right now on average in the FFPC, never too early tournament. How high is too high for him? Would you take him the early second? Is that too high? Like, where would you, he's going off as wide receiver 10 right now behind DJ Moore, Garrett Wilson, AJ Brown, Puka Nakua, and then obviously the, the elite guys above that. I'd be, I would be watching how everything fell, and I'd be totally prepared to grab him early. He's got a good relationship with his quarterback, and, you know, Bobby Trees may not be back. He's making too much money, and, you know, Mechie, who knows what he's going to do. So he's the constant. You know, he is right. the, he's the one you can really count on. Mm-hmm. Do you – are how – I guess it, it sounds like you're not concerned about Houston adding another receiver and not, maybe not round one, but like day two, round two or round three, to go with, you know, and give C.J. Stroud not only Collins and, and Tank Dell – but another uh, elite receiver that, because this is such a deep receiver draft, you're not necessarily concerned with the Texans doing that, it sounds like. Well, I, I would not be shocked at all if they took a Texas Longhorn, uh, since there's two of them coming out. And, it, you know, sells tickets, it's a good PR, um, and both of them have said they'd like to play there. So, I, yeah, I think they'll I, they'll definitely pick somebody before that draft is over that they think can be an immediate oh, yeah. contributor. Is a curious thing that it, with, with what I think could affect this team and all these receivers is the tight end. Does Schultz move on? Does does uh, it, does Brevin Jordan get the chance, which I think he deserves? And there's so there's two tight ends on this team that I absolutely love. My biggest problem would be not trying to draft Nico Collins too early, but drafting everybody else on this team, having a team full of Texans. But you know. Uh, Balky, the guys you mentioned, Nakua, mm-hmm. you you said three receivers going in front of him. Nakua. Right, right, in, right. Okay, so so obviously the 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 big five in drafts yes. here. We are Jefferson, take them off the board. Jefferson, Lamb, Hill, Chase, yeah. St. Brown. Those are the yeah, big five. But then yeah. after that, from basically the one ten on, then you have Nakua, AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, DJ Moore, and then Nico Collins. As I'll draft player. Collins in front of all those guys. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Farrell Farrell loves his Collins. Uh, <clears throat> No question. Um, shift the uh, the focus to the running backs here briefly, um, Rick. Aaron Jones, and again, I know when you drafted this team, this never-too-early team, the ADP was very fluid, and it's quite frankly, like I said earlier, it's, it's still very fluid. But you drafted him basically about a full round ahead of where he normally goes in the sixth round. Aaron Jones, non-zero chance he is not back with Green Bay as a Packers fan, as a guy who follows the team very closely. I think there is very little chance that Aaron Jones is on a different team this year. I think he's going to be back with Green Bay. Um, What did you see about Aaron Jones this past year? Because he missed a lot of time with that soft tissue injury twice. Uh, Once in in week one where he missed all that time, and then he had sort of had like a, a recurrence of that later in the season. But for the first time in his career, he finished the season with five straight 100-plus yard uh, running games. Your thoughts on Aaron Jones and why you liked him a little bit better than consensus so far this season? Well, I like the running ability, and I think, you know, it looks like maybe they're going to do a better job of keeping all their players healthy. I think that's one of the biggest things people don't think about with these teams is why are so many people getting hurt? Yep. But uh, Jordan Love is still a young quarterback as far as playing time. And he'll check down faster than some of the other guys will. And he has a lot of young receivers. So he's got more experience catching the ball from Aaron Jones in a way than he does his his starting three wide receivers. So I think Jones is going to be really, really busy. And A.J. Dillon doesn't – to me, he's not a threat to Aaron Jones' playing time. Only when the ball's near the goal line. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> a significant threat, you know. Who the, oh hell, it's you know. Oh man, uh, who's the best bartender at Aussies? Oh, uh, that would be Katie. Katie, why? Uh, we like Katie. We like all Katie. Never met a Katie. I didn't. Okay, good. So, let me ask you about this player, and he's a favorite of mine. Um, and you drafted him early, and I thought, well. Because his name here during our drafts it came off the board every draft. That is Trey Palmer. And I thought, you know, when, when I saw that you drafted him uh, several rounds ahead of, of, of what uh, uh, 
the mojo tells us is his ADP in the six. I thought, well, is that right? And I looked at what we did here, and yeah, 15th, 16th round for Trey Palmer. I remember when he transferred. He was a player at LSU that they couldn't get on the field, wouldn't throw the ball. He goes to Nebraska, and he runs past everybody. Is is kind of like it looks like Forrest Gump up there. But then they say he can't run routes. You know, he has route running issues, and that's what labeled him into the late rounds of the draft. Thirty nine catches this year, and I figure at a guy, you know, he he's only twenty three years old. You take a guy like this. You put him with those two receivers and Evans and Godwin. You teach him the offense. And he was, they they put the ball in his hands on those uh, Baker Mayfield flanker screens a little bit. But all in all, I saw what I needed to see to unlock this player and say I'm going to, you know, this is my player that's going to break the loose. That's going to get to seventy catches. That's going. Even if no one moves out of Tampa, he has the potential to improve his play. Is that your thoughts on this player, or did you just hit the wrong Palmer earlier in the draft? Are you trying to get him <laughs> no, I, what's I, your thoughts? I, I get him confused. With, I can confuse him with Josh pretty easy. Um, well, everything you said is exactly what I was thinking, except one extra thing. Tom Brady liked him his rookie year. Okay, and Brady won't. Brady doesn't tolerate, you know, uh, slackers or people who can't run a route, who can't deliver. When Brady throws the ball and you, you're there and you catch it, I mean, everybody should pay attention. Yeah. And uh, then, then he he clicked with Mayfield, and hopefully Baker's back. And so I've, I've got if I made a list of a third of, of number three receivers on different teams, and I'd say who's reliable, uh, who's some of the most reliable number three receivers. I got to put him up there real high. I like that. I like that thought process. Of course, Brady liked uh, Scooter Scotty Miller, too, but yeah. we won't yeah. hold that against him. I don't think we should hold things against Brady. He, he was great at the end of the first half of the NFC Championship at Lambeau Field. Fantastic. That that game was fantastic for Scotty Miller. Outside of that, mm, I don't know. And the yeah. great part about um, uh, Ian Rappaport actually reported that the Buccaneers have the inside track to re-sign Baker Mayfield. I saw a blur before we went on the air tonight. That it sounds like in the neighborhood of three years, seventy-five million for Mayfield, nice. and he should be back in in Tampa. And if that happens, it's probably, as you said, uh, Rick, good news for Trey Palmer. Um, one of the other things I want to center on, and this gets into a drafting philosophy question here. You took Lamar Jackson in the third round of this never too early tournament for for twenty twenty four, but after you took Lamar Jackson, you still added on three additional quarterbacks, and I'm kind of curious as the thought process. On why, because a lot of people would draft Lamar Jackson, they take one, maybe two more, but three is is kind of unprecedented. Your thoughts on why you decided to go with four total quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson? Well, I, I, he runs a lot. If he gets hurt, I got to have somebody that's going to be an every game starter for his team. Mm -hmm. And when I picked up uh, a Jones from the Giants, there wasn't a whole lot of other uh, potential every down starters, you know, available. And then I got to I got a little crazy and thought, you know, let's grab a couple of potential rookies that I think will do well. And I really like the kid from Michigan, and then the, then the other kid may. So I, you mm -hmm. know, give them a chance to do something, because you know, in best ball, sometimes uh, they're really valuable because of that one week when they go off. Yeah, Drake made quarterback twenty four in the uh, uh, end of the 13th round, and then J.J. McCarthy, quarterback 36 at the middle of the 19th round, so basically free. And again, we've seen um, in, in some of these best ball tournaments, like you can get these free rookies, especially January, February, where it seems like, oh, why are you, what are you doing here? And then it turns out to be a big payday um, for whoever drafts them at this point. And McCarthy and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and May both represent the opportunities for some serious returns on uh, on those draft picks. Uh, Farrell, go ahead with uh, some more rookie talk here. Well, yeah, in addition to those quarterbacks, do you have the same affinity for other rookies at uh, wide receiver, which I think the class is very good, although not very deep. Do you like the running backs? There's There seems to be one tight end that's separated from all the rest. 
what rookies, what other rookies did you want to talk about? Well, I, I like the rookie, uh, the two rookie receivers, Worthy, and the other guy from Texas a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I got to see them a little more than other ones, but I had a, a championship college league team, and we, I had uh, Adunza, and I had Mitchell from Texas, mm-hmm. and I had one more uh, killer uh, receiver. And so, you know, they do good for me. And I watch them for a whole season or a few seasons in college. And, and I really like Roma Dunza. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that he's kind of – we're all talking about Marvin Jr. and about the, the two kids from LSU. And then I'll tell you who I also like. I like Ricky Pearsall. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, it seems like he just doesn't miss – he runs perfect routes and he's not afraid to go over the middle, uh, runs runs into people. I don't know. He, he – can't, can't think who it is. He reminds me of maybe he reminds me of the, the little guys that always played for the Patriots, like Edelman, that were just tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you love a player like that, and you know, based on the geographical locations of some of these players, you spent a lot of late Saturday nights watching football, didn't you? I can sure <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, West Coasters in here that you uh, that you're eyeballing pretty good here, man. It, Based on the the college football schedules, setting your lineup for college football fantasy must be a wild experience. That's uh, yeah, that's something. I'm I'm waiting for someone to warm up to uh, Jamari Thrash from University of Louisville. He had a great senior bowl, and nobody's talking about him. And he's I think he's a third round uh, receiver that'll get in there. So that's one I'm going to add to you um, to your list that I want you to follow. And get, and I will. I'd like to have your opinion about it. Farrell, last night when I was doing the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, I had Todd Burrow's Best Ball NFL on the X. Um, on, and I, I was trying to sell him on Jamari Thrash. And he's like, yeah, it's Jamari Thrash. What, 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 why are you so uh, integrated? And I said, well, you know, Farrell's a big fan of Jamari Thrash. And then Todd right away said, so where did this Jamari Thrash go to school? Was this a... High school in Kentucky. I said, well, he, yeah, he was at Louisville this past year. And Todd's like, oh, that explains it. But I think you're on to something with Jamari. Todd, Todd might have to um, – <laughs> some of that commentary is putting Todd in a bad spot. You know, it, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 please stop too soon. Was what, <laughs> You know, that should come out. All of us should ring that. But Todd shouldn't make that commentary, especially if he was paying attention at the Senior Bowl. Because everyone who was there uh, fell in love with Thrash. Yeah, Thrash, it was one of the winners from the Senior Bowl. No question uh, there whatsoever. A couple of questions via email here for you tonight, Rick. Marty in Belvern in Pennsylvania writes, Hey, Rick, how convinced are you that Kyron Williams will remain the bell cow for the Rams in 2024? Thanks so much. And thank you, Marty, for the email in Belvern in Pennsylvania. I'm going to be honest with you, Rick. This is something I've been battling with because I know what the Rams did in their backfield prior to the start of the 2023 season. And I am not convinced that they would not add some more bodies, not so much to supplant Kyron Williams, not so much to take his job from him. But the fact is, when you look at where Kyron Williams is going in the never too early tournament right now, Kyron Williams, by the way, uh, as I look at the mojo on him, he is going off as running back, running back five at the 201 that is very rich to me rick when you're talking about a guy that still has a non-zero chance and maybe more than a non-zero chance of facing some competition on his own team in that backfield in 2024 can you kind of give us the lay of the land with kyron williams in the rams backfield this season i think an additional back in the backfield would be good for him with a long season and injuries to take a little load off of him but I think the way the coaches think there, at least what it looks like to me, is it's his. He's the he's the number one back. It's his job to lose. So someone would have to really come out and be exceptional to suddenly get all the carries, and he be the second guy. So well, barring he, barring injuries, I'm I'm comfortable. So even at, at sorry sorry Farrell, just even at the end of the first round, even at the start of the second round, you're still comfortable with that ADP for Williams, right? But I mean, I, yeah. But I wouldn't pick him over if, for some strange reason, Bijan or Brees Hall or someone else was still there. I'm not putting him in front of them, and I don't think I'd take him over uh, White at Tampa Bay. Okay. White. Okay. Brees Hall is going off number two, I do believe, in most. Of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and he very well could be, I'm looking at the mojo for, I think this is, is this the last seven days? This is no, this is from January 18th to February 29th, which hasn't happened yet. Um, Kyron Williams running back five, two Oh one. He is going behind McCaffrey hall, Robinson and Gibbs, but he is going ahead of Rashad white. So I think that's interesting. Farrell, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it, 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 I wanted to see if Rick felt the same way. I, I feel like during the show that you have declared war against the starting running backs across the league. It's not, <laughs> there's not one anywhere that's good enough. That's not going to be challenged. It's not going to look to be replaced and this is going to be played less, not more. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's good. You're, you're made to draft in Kentucky, Balky, and so are you, Rick. We got to get yeah. you up here. But you're made to draft in Kentucky where you can go five receivers to start the draft, well, which has been done numerous times uh, yeah, over the years to some success. I've heard that. Let's go out to the YouTube chat here. Uh, Dominic Gazzetti, one of our number one fans here, uh, he wants to know how you feel about this, Rick. Is when it comes down to Jameer Gibbs or Kyron Williams, which one are you picking? Now, Gibbs is going at the 110. Kyron Williams is going at the 201, 201, excuse me. Very, very close in ADP. Would you take Kyron Williams over Jameer Gibbs, who we know is going to be facing direct competition for goal line carries, for inside the five carries, and just inside the tackle carries with David Montgomery? I think I would take Gibbs at this season, at this time right now. But now, if this is the last week of preseason, I might already have changed my mind. <laughs> And and I think uh, with with Gibbs versus Kyron, like, so I, I still have the same trepidation with with Gibbs because he is he should touch the ball less than Kyron Williams this year, but he touched the ball less last year with David Montgomery, and now you look at see how FFPC players are taking him. They're still taking him in the first round. They're still taking him on average as the fourth running back off the board, sometimes the third running back off the board. Gibbs is going to be fascinating. I to continue to think Kyron Williams is going to be fascinating as we get deeper into draft season as well. One more email here for you, Rick. It's from Dan in Redding, California. Um, how's it going, Rick? How much of an improvement are we going to see from Zay Flowers this season? Mm. So Zay Flowers, one of the best rookie receivers last year um, and, and a guy that uh, exceeded a lot of people's expectations. He is now going in the never-too-early tournament as wide receiver 28 at the 502 behind Higgins, behind London, but ahead of Malik Neighbors, ahead of Amari Cooper. Zay Flowers, 502. Rick, what kind of step forward are you expecting to see from Flowers in Baltimore this season? Huge. Uh, I took him over Jordan Addison and the kid that from Ohio State that went to Seattle in a mm -hmm. dynasty league with my very first pick last year and caught a lot of flack for not taking Addison. And I'm like, sorry, guys, we'll see what happens this sophomore year. And I am i wasn't disappointed with how he performed this year. I think he's going to kill it. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. And it's, when you look at their his target share, and it, he did all of that with five and six targets a game. What happens if they actually decide to try to get the ball to him? Yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great point, Farrell. Um, I am uh, out of emails for Rick tonight. So without further ado, we have one final question for him. Rick, this is an important question that we ask of, of every guest on the show. And uh, because it, and I'm anxious to hear your answer because it seems like you share something in common with Balky and myself. We can find something we love about every player. Yeah. Uh, it, and I, I always think you're a better fantasy player if you have less players that you won't draft. So if you have to search for an answer of the guy that you do not like and do not want, it's always a good sign. And if it's most difficult to answer who are you going to roll with, who do you love? And Dominic's asking a question about uh, Pittman. Pittman was a player last year when he was drafted at my table. I would think that someone had, had just – it was just a terrible – a situation that someone actually took a player that belonged to me. Who is that guy for you? That that I would not take. That your first guy's would not take. Second guy is your Pittman, a guy that you want on every team. Well, right. I would not take Alvin Kamara. Okay, mm. I just never liked him, and then and then I don't like him as a person. And you know, you're not supposed to let that really interfere. But I just. But it is then, your team. You got to draft yeah. guys you want to cheer for. And then there's a, there's a player I can get on every team. It's Tyreek Hill. 
how sweet it is. There are people, and let's unpack the Tyree Kill thing real quick here, Rick. There are people saying that they're worried about um, uh, the soft tissue stuff and the fact that he is Tyree Kill is a little bit older than Jefferson, Lamb, Jamar Chase, the guys he's going around. This is not a concern for you. Why is that overblown in your opinion? I just got to see it happen to, to believe it. I've got to think that he knows that he, he knows his body and he doesn't, he wants the record that he almost got. He's very uh, vain and proud and he <laughs> wants to go out big. And so if that means taking better care of himself, let's hope he understands that. His quarterback leans on him, relies yeah. on him. And so does his entire Offensive coordinator, the offensive side of the ball. If you are third and 14 and Tyreek Hill's on the field, you're not in a desperate strike. Um, the last thing I, I will ask you here, um, and this was the, the question I flashed on a screen, uh, screen from Dom Gazzetti. Pittman is going ahead of Zay Flowers right now uh, in drafts, Rick, in the never-too-early drafts. Um, but we know you like Flowers quite a bit. Would you be taking Flowers over Pittman this year? I would right now because of the quarterback situation uh, and because if uh, now if Pittman rent ended up somewhere else, but before I had a draft, that would make a huge difference because, you know, he's, he's caught lots of passes, but he has, he's been kind of touchdown short. Yeah, that, that is uh, totally correct um, with that. And I know Farrell, you love Michael. I know you like, you like Zay flowers, but you love yourself some Michael Pittman, right? Well, we're going to have to let Pittman go if he's going in that third round, unless it's just a perfect fit. Flowers is still uh, the guy with the ceiling. Of course, I love Mike when he's seventh and eighth round pick when everybody didn't care for him, and they saw him as a 70-catch receiver. He's always going to be a 100-catch receiver, and but so are some of the guys that are around him in the third round, so you don't have to chase to get him. But now, yes, it's going to be a real treat to see what he can accomplish with Anthony Richardson as the quarterback. Anthony Richardson will stretch the play, have better sight lines to the end zone, giving Pittman more time to get open and risking more accurate passes that Pittman can uh, um, can high point the ball and win at. So I, I like Pittman in the end zone much better this coming year with the young quarterback. You like Pittman. We both like the fact that Rick Brinson, the 14th place overall finisher in the never too early FFPC best ball tournament this past year, was able to come on and drop some knowledge on us tonight. Uh, Rick, uh, all the best wishes for you in 2024. As far as drafting season goes, we thank you for making us a part of your Friday night uh, 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 festivities. And speaking of festivities, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the next time Farrell and I are in Austin, we're hitting up. Aussie's Grill and Beach Bar, for sure. Playing a little volleyball, having some cocktails. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, spiritually there now. Yeah, if, you've exactly. got, if you've got time, I can take you on the bar crawl of your life. Oh, my goodness. A bar crawl in Austin, I'm in. Like, this is this would be fantastic. We're going to have to plan this out. Uh, Rick, good luck this season. Thank you for making you. us uh, a part of your, your evening and your weekend. Enjoy drafting season. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks for having me. You got it. Rick Brinson, ladies and gentlemen, the 14th place finisher in the 2023 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament joining us on the program tonight. Uh, love uh, love all the insight that he was able to give us uh, tonight, Farrell, and a good guy. And now we have an Austin vacation plan for the two of us. Yeah, you know, all my vacations are working vacations, Balky, but I would That's love true. to be back yes. I'm going to shout out to Rick uh, also. I'm hoping he's still in the room, you know, with me. Um, KFFSC uh, uh, Super Sunday Sweet 16 has one online division, and we're down to two spots left, and there's nothing better than having a Texan in there. It's Sunday night at 8.30. If anyone wants to join it, uh, we would love to have you uh, from one of the from one of the 19 states that you can still join. The exactly. There you go. Um, Farrell, let's get to how much time do we have left? We got a couple of minutes. We might be able oh, yeah. to get through two of these emails here. I'm going to go to a guy who played in the Super Bowl and then was kind of in the news after this, you know, with one of his friends or brothers um, talking about how he's not going to be back with the 49ers hmm. next year and then scrubbing his social media with, with 49ers or of any 49ers something. That's Brandon IU. Tom and Almonte, Altamonte Springs, Florida, excuse me. He writes, is Brandon Ayuk going to be back in San Francisco? Where do I draft him? 
Uh, that is Tom in Altamonte Springs, Florida. Right now, Brandon Ayuk Farrell in the Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament ADP. Wide receiver 15 at the 303. Number one, where do you expect him to play uh, next season? Number two, when you weigh the risk of him playing elsewhere other than San Francisco, is that 303 still a spot that you want to be in business with Brandon Ayuk? He's one of the best players in the league, and I think there's probably better landing spots for him than San Francisco, but San Francisco is successful with the ball. They move the ball up and down the field. Now, if he's frustrated about his Super Bowl experience, I thought he had a pretty good game, but he ran into uh, Trent McDuffie, who had perhaps one of the best games as a corner uh, that I've seen in years. And so he better, you know, he better stay out of the AFC West because he'll have Trent McDuffie twice a year. And the defensive coordinator, you know, you talk about these coaches that have two weeks to get ready for a team and how and, and what a great job that Spagnola did to get this de- defense ready because the 49ers thought they were looking at one thing, ended up looking at another, were very, very confused. They looked sloppy doing it. Ayuk didn't catch any balls. How many balls did tight end catch? That wasn't very many. I think it was one. I think it was one. Debo Samuel, it was a bad, you know, he he had some injury issues. Uh, Perhaps it was a hamstring. Whatever it was, it was McDuffie and to a lesser degree, but still a contributing degree, Sneed. And, you know, the defensive line in their rotation, they rotate six guys and they all played well. Um, The, uh, and, and, you know, Dominic's already dug it up and he's got the answer right there. Yeah, it it wasn't, and I didn't think it was Ayuk posting it on social media. He kind of walked it back a little bit when somebody asked him about it, but it sounded like it was, like I said, like uh, a friend of Ayuk or a a relation saying that, oh, this is why we're not going to be in San Francisco next year. I always take that with a grain of salt. And the Um, social media is very confusing. I'm sending the stuff to wrong people all the time. And it's just, (laughs) I just, you know, but with friends like this, uh, Ayuk, uh, I don't think you need many enemies um the other thing i'll bring up from the super bowl and this will be our last email tonight travis kelsey farrell um Mm. i had talked to you on this show about how i was ready to move on from him after Mm -hmm. what i thought the end of the regular season in 2023 Mm -hmm. and then the playoffs started and this guy looked like he has not only not lost a step but he looks as good as ever um that when you uh factor that in and the email that we have tonight um about travis kelsey Hey, guys, has Travis Kelsey earned more of our trust going into 2024? Thanks. That's Doug in Golden Valley, Minnesota. And and definitely on my end, uh, I was wrong about him. The, the, the death of Travis Kelsey from fantasy purposes is definitely over-exaggerated. And Travis Kelsey is now, for the first time in forever, not going off uh, right now as the number one tight end. He's going as the number two tight end behind Sam Laporta. Travis Kelsey, a guy who was going as the 101, in many fantasy pros drafts and main event drafts last year has fallen Farrell all the way to two eleven. In fact, he has gone as late as the uh, three eleven in a couple of never too early drafts. What? So yeah, exactly. This is insane value for Travis Kelsey and you're in a tight end premium league, man. I, I think this is something you got to hop all over. I love Kelsey at the end of the second round. Well, the one I'm in, that's where I took him. I had the second pick, so that would have been at the end of the second round. Uh, Balky, I, I think your your intermittent dissatisfaction with Kelsey uh, was a degenerative quality of the, the fact that you're hanging out with a bad crowd during the week. Yeah. And then you, as you as you approach the weekend, you, you know, and you talk to guys like Mr. Brinson. You get back, you know, when you when you when our regulars come in and chat with us, you get back to where you need to be. You know, you're known by the company you keep. And that's in and, and Travis Kelsey's known by the company he keeps. He's got the best quarterback in the game. Uh, he's got a great offensive mind running the running the offense uh, there in the head coach and the OC. Uh, Rashi Rice uh, developed himself as one of the better receivers in the game. And then uh, uh, Pacheco, the running back, is, you know, just every time you watch him run, uh, it, it's, it's just fantastic to watch him. And, you know, he got a, he had the exchange with the coach uh, during the game. And, and I'm not for sure. But I think that I can imagine that d- during the week, 
he he was promised that he would not come out in any goal line situations. And then he looks up and the backup uh, Noah Gray is in the huddle. So you can't just say, well, you know, go you, you got to get off the field or you'll have a time violation. And and then the guy that Gray is to block knocks the ball out of Pacheco's hand. And mm-hmm. sure, you, it's that desire to be, you know, he's not back there rolling his eyes. You know, he's confronting the coach. His leg- legacy in this game is important to him. And just like his brother, they'll have to bring him out of football screaming and dragging his feet. And, and you know, so this is the kind of player he is. And, and you know, if you get him at 80%, you've got 80%. You've got some percentage more than what you've got from all the other tight ends. Yeah, and I think that's the thing to look at. Like, you, you got to understand, like, and I, I come back to this. It, has Travis Kelsey done so little in 2023 that he has fallen nearly two full rounds? I don't think so. <laughs> so I am definitely on board with taking Travis Kelsey's cut. He's got maybe the greatest quarterback we've ever seen throwing to him. Still no answers at wide receiver. And he's won a Super Bowl the last two years being the number one target there. I think that continues uh, going forward. I think we're going to continue to do this show going forward, including next Friday when we will welcome back the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, KFFSC.com, at J. Farrell Elliott on the X. And, of course, get in that sweet 16 uh, that is available. Sunday night draft. What did you say? Two spots left in that? Two spots left in that. You're not doing anything Sunday night, are you? Yeah, no, I, I should actually right. hop in. I should actually hop in that draft. That I like Daytona 500 is the only thing I'm watching on on Sunday, and that'll be long over with. Before you know, Eastern, if Rick gets in there, you might have second thoughts. But no. you know, it, it, <laughs> I don't want to see him next to me. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, I do. If I didn't get to ask Rick if he comes to Planet Hollywood, but you know, quite honestly, I encourage all the players to come in. Yeah. Planet Hollywood. I I tell Rick that that's going to be a big weekend in Austin. He just might want to stay there. Yeah, all oh, for but, sure. You know, just you know, you know, it could be a big weekend in Austin. So, it's yeah. gonna, it's gonna be a big weekend for sure. It's, we'll call. Yeah. We'll send him the draft boards. Yeah, yes, we will. We will. <laughs> and Farrell, I will send you the instructions next week on who we're gonna have as a guest. Which oh. I'll tell everybody at the end of the show. He was in the chat room tonight. We'll talk about that later on. Enjoy your weekend, dude. Thanks so much. That is Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. KFFSC.com is where to go and play in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, including that 8.30 p.m. Sunday night draft, uh, which is less than 48 hours away. Sign up now. I might be seeing you in there as well. I want to thank not only Farrell Elliott. I want to thank our guest tonight, Rick Brinson, the 14th place finisher in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Rice, and, of course, each and every one of you. Uh, We will be back at 10 o'clock next Friday. We are going to have, and there's no good way to say this because this dude did a ton this year, sixth place in the FFPC best ball tournament, second place in the world-famous FFPC playoff challenge, and then first and second place in the $35 FFPC playoff challenge this year. Cullen Hoffman, a winner of $260,000. He is going to be our guest next week. So much stuff to talk about with him, not only with the playoff challenge, but with best ball as well. Uh, So he will be joining us next uh, Friday night. Uh, Watch last night's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network on any of the FFPC social media channels. Uh, We had Todd Burrows uh, last night from the Run to Daylight podcast and, of course, Sharp Football Analysis. We'll be uh, on live, just confirmed, this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Dynasty uh, of uh, Fantasy Football Factory and Dynasty uh, Football uh, Maven, Shane Hallam. All your your Debbie questions, Dynasty questions, draft questions, Triple D, Dynasty, Debbie, draft. He knows it all. Shane P. Hallam will be my guest co-host 7 o'clock on Thursday. That's going to be a lot of fun. The 2024 Fantasy Pros Championship will launch Tuesday, February 20th. That's this upcoming Tuesday. A $1 million grand prize in a $6 million prize pool. MyFFPC.com is where to go to that. That's also the same place you want to go, MyFFPC.com, to play in the never-too-early best ball tournaments. They will run all the way up until the start of the NFL draft. No kickers, no defenses, 20-round draft. Best ball slim rules, 14-week regular season. We will have playoffs in weeks 15 through 17, and then a champion crowned after that. Drafts are available with a 30-second, 60-second, 2-hour, and 6-hour clock. Make sure you are popping in there 
uh, to take advantage of uh, winning a $25,000 grand prize at just a $125 entry fee or a $10,000 grand prize with a $35 entry fee as well. MYFFPC.com is where to go for that as well to pick up some Dynasty Orphan teams. We have sold a ton of Dynasty Orphan teams at really, really good prices. There still remain plenty of Dynasty Orphans out there at really, really good prices. Register now, get those Dynasty Orphans on your team, and play fantasy football 365 days a year. MyFFPC.com, MyFFPC.com. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on this video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, and hit that notification bell so you know every time we go live, which will once again be Thursday night, 7 o'clock, myself and Shane Hallam on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. I hope the NFL season in 2023 was great for you. 2024 season is just beginning at the FFPC. Quite frankly, some would say we're already in full swing. So get your drafting in now. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. It's, it's rare that we have this much action going on because we've never started the Fantasy Pros Championship this early, ladies and gentlemen, but we do have it going on. February 20th will be the kickoff. We have slow drafts going on. I think we have multiple slow drafts filled that will start February 20th as well. No excuse. You don't have to wait. If you want to build your million-dollar juggernaut, it starts prior to the calendar turning to March. It's going to be a lot of fun. Fantasy Pros Championship, never too early best ball tournaments. We got two of them, as well as the FFPC Dynasty Orphans. Plenty of those going on as well. MyFFPC.com, that's where you want to go this weekend. Enjoy drafting fantasy football leagues. And, of course, KFFSC.com is where you can draft as well. Check that out. Uh, We will talk with you again a week from today. Thanks for watching, everybody.